Old Town Road. Through analysis, we attempt to unlock the elements and hidden secrets that make a song memorable. Old Town Road just broke the record for the longest-running number one song in history. When we first hear this song, we may think it's just a catchy, fun song. But as I did the analysis, thinking about the melody, the harmony, the chords, the overall construction, hidden techniques appeared. This composition has many interesting, unusual, and unexpected elements lying below the surface, layered and joined together to form this amazing hit. We will look at the overall architecture and then work our way deeper and deeper into its construction. For any composer in any style or genre of music, these techniques can offer inspiration and many new ideas for your own works. The form of a musical work can be the same as the foundation or form for a house or a building, where the builder takes the architect's plans and then using the same footings or foundations builds many different types of buildings and houses using those same blueprints, the same in music. Look at the 12-bar blues, the foundation for not only the blues and the beginning of rock, but for thousands of songs. Now let's look at the overall construction of Old Town Road and then take each section separately. We have an introduction and then the chorus and then verse one and then a refrain, which is part of the verse. Then we have verse two and a re the same refrain. Then we have the chorus again and then verse three, chorus, and then we end with the intro. For this analysis, I am using the version, the remix, featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. The introduction. This introduction, as is the usual procedure, sets the tonality, tempo, meter, chord progression and rhythm, feel, and overall mood of the song. There are exceptions, of course. For example, see podcast 18, Under the Bridge. Our intro here features four chords, one measure each in a repeating cycle, which is carried throughout the whole song. As we do the analysis, please follow along on the original recording, as I don't want to break any copyright laws. But as we go along, I will play examples. think the use of only four chords throughout a whole piece of music is simplistic. On the contrary, the use of a four chord cycle creates a hypnotic effect, drawing the listener in ever deeper and deeper. Think of Smells Like Teen Spirit. A four chord cycle heard throughout is the canvas on which one of the most influential songs in modern music history was layered and constructed upon its foundation. I always compare art and music in all my analysis, for I see and hear music as shifting colors, dark and light, and all the shades in between. Noticeable is the use of the key of B major for the melody and the chords. Here is the key of B major. One chord B, two chord C sharp minor, three chord D sharp minor, four chord E, five chord F sharp, 
six chord G sharp minor, seven chord A sharp diminished, back to B. If you are not familiar with the chords in a key labeled with Roman numbers, no problem. You can Google it and get a free printout of all the keys with the numbering system. Briefly, they are used because in all 15 major keys, the functions of each chord is the same in all the keys. Like a family, these rolls, color, and pull are similar. So when discussing a progression such as five pulls to one, it's the same for all the keys. Think of a capo on a guitar. As you move the capo up the neck, the chord shapes will stay the same, but the key will change, and everything else is relative. Now the chords in Old Town Road, as I played before, are G sharp, B, F sharp, and E sixth. Now, the G sharp, or in many printouts, they will say A flat, which is the same chord, is not in the key of B. how the first chord is not in the key. Instead of G sharp minor, the sixth chord, it's the sixth chord, it's a major chord. This is a common practice to borrow chords from another key for variety and color. However, by placing the chord first, the listener expects the following chords to be related and they are not. It is one thing to alter a chord for color or pull in the middle of a chord progression for example, let's say in a blues, let's say in the key of B, the chords would be B, E, and F sharp. Now, many times they will play a B7, which is not in the key of B, but in the key of E, to pull to the E chord. That's called the secondary dominant. If you're interested in this subject, check out podcast number 22. However, in Old Town Road is put at the beginning. This is truly inventive. You might say, wait a minute. Most people have no knowledge of keys, chord, movement. That is true, but since childhood we have heard our music and its tonal system is embedded in our mind. It is felt subconsciously so that the inner musical mind senses changes of color, tension, and calm. No special skills are needed. It is in everybody. This is the reason people with no formal training such as the Beatles can write magnificent songs, or young, young children can sing harmony. In an interview I just saw, David Crosby said he was singing harmony as early as the age of four. I find another fact truly fascinating. The first chord, the G sharp, as I said, is not in the key. So it is the sixth chord of the key altered. The B chord is the one chord, the F sharp is the five chord, and the E is the four chord. Creating a truly interesting effect is the fact that a pedal tone is used for the B, the F sharp, and the E chord. A pedal tone is a note held or repeated against a series of chords, either underneath, in the middle, or on top of the chord progression. The effect is to color each chord differently as it passes through the pedal. A great example of this is Under the Bridge. John Frusciante plays the chords A, A minor, G, and F. However, on top of each chord, he puts an E note, a pedal E. 
So with the first chord, the A, it's the fifth of the chord. For the A minor, it's also the fifth. But with the G chord, it's the sixth. And with the F, it becomes F major seventh. The pedal adds color and more expressiveness. One note has transformed all these chords. Now, back to the chords with our introduction. If you notice, if you print out different versions of the song with the chords and the lyrics, you'll notice how people label them different. The reason for this, the chords are ambiguous. The reason being, in the introduction, they're not playing a full chord. A full chord, a triad, has three notes, but they're playing two notes. And even in these printouts, it says chords inferred. That's great how they leave it up in the air. So the first chord is an A flat, A flat and C, the first and the third. So that's a regular A flat chord, but it's not in the key. Now we go to the key, the B, we have the B chord, but it's not a B chord, it's B and the pedal tone C sharp. If it was a chord, full chord, we would call it B add nine. Now we go to the next chord, the F sharp, with the C-sharp on top, so we keep the pedal C-sharp, and that would be the fifth of the chord. That would be almost like a power chord if we were thinking of it that way. And then we go E with a C-sharp on top, which could be labeled E-sixth. So now let's listen again and listen for the pedal on top. Isn't that great? If you're interested, in Podcast 20, I discuss how suspended chords and added note chords are formed and used. You can see what a great effect this is, and you could use it in your compositions. Also, it is important to note in the introduction that the key signature is B major, five sharps, and the time signature is 4-4. Four, four. However, this song is really in cut time. In cut time, everything gets cut in half, which is important because he wants the feel of the horse walking down the street, that back and forth motion, and two, four fits perfectly. Instead of one, two, three, four, it's one, two, one, two. The background is very sparse, mostly just setting the tempo, chords, and feel, and tonality. Now the song begins. It begins with the chorus. At the end of the intro, most of the time we would go into the first verse. Of course, there are exceptions. So at the end of the introduction in the eighth measure, we have a pickup into the chorus with the music and the lyrics. Yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. Here we have two sentences the second exactly the same as the first. It creates such a strong hook, it immediately becomes an earworm. An earworm is a musical thought that goes round and round in your mind and you can't get it out. The object of every good hook to become part of the listener. The chorus is composed of two sentences, four measures each. The first sentence, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. And the second sentence is the same as the first. Each sentence is composed of two phrases, two musical phrases, two measures each. The first phrase is, I'm going to take my horse to the Old Town Road. And then the second 
part, the second phrase is, I'm going to ride till I can't no more. And then, of course, this is repeated. Throughout the entire song, this pattern of construction is used in every section. Repetition is a key element in all music. Eight measure sections, two sentences in each section, four measures for each sentence, two two-measure phrases for each sentence. Also very interesting is that the phrases do not begin on the first beat of the measure, but at the end of the previous phrase. You see how symmetrical everything is. Many believe symmetry in music, art, architecture, sculpting, so on, is a vital element towards understanding and appreciation. The accompaniment now changes also. It's more active, adding an eighth note feel to the 2-4 accents, imitating the movement of the horse's hoofbeats as it moves down the road. The verse. Now, as the verse enters, everything changes. The melody becomes more intense. The eighth note feel disappears to be replaced by the bass line, which dominates the accompaniment against that 2-4 feel of the chords. The bass mostly reinforces the root of each chord with a nice offbeat rhythm. Against the E6 chord, it plays the 6, that C-sharp we discussed earlier, and two F-sharps lead to the G-sharp chord. The architecture of the sentences and the phrasing follow the same pattern as in the chorus. The verse is eight measures long. There are two sentences. The first sentence is divided into two phrases. Horse is in the back, horse tack is attached. Hat is matte black, got the boots that black to match. The second sentence, the lyrics are different, but the music's exactly the same, is riding on a horse, ha, huh? you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Now we have a refrain. In this instance, that's going to be part of the verse. The refrain usually used to mean the chorus. It's from the Latin word to repeat. So it's a repeated lines of music, such as a chorus. But it also could be used as part of a verse, repeated lines or a phrase, another hook, so to speak. That's exactly what we have here. Just to remind you, too, the same four chord cycle is throughout the whole song, each section. So the refrain is, can't nobody tell me nothing, you can't tell me nothing. And then that's repeated exactly. Can't tell me nothing, you can't tell me nothing. Our symmetry is continued again into this section. Eight measures, two sentences, four measures each, two phrases, two measures in each sentence. Second sentence, same as the first. And the background is the same as the verse, so you know that the two are connected even though they are separate sections. Now we go back to the second verse, which is musically the same as the first verse, only with different lyrics, which is the standard method in popular music. The verses tell the story, the chorus, the hook, the refrain repeats the same words. And if you have a pre-chorus, that would be the same thing also. After the second verse, we go to the refrain again, followed by the repetition of the chorus, in the original version, then they would end with the introduction. But in the Billy Ray Cyrus version, the remix, 
there is another section added, which is really interesting. In different printouts of different versions of the song, I've seen this labeled as verse 3. However, I question this because of the following reasons. The length of the section and the melodic construction is totally different. As I discussed in podcasts number 8 and 9, Take It to the Bridge, part 1 and part 2, this fits into that description perfectly. The modern bridge, as opposed to the traditional bridge, which was the second or B section of a traditional 32-bar song, is now used in contrast to the verse, pre-chorus, chorus sections of the more modern songs. And the bridge was a section that was totally different to add a new feel into the song. Whether we call it a bridge or third verse, it is 16 measures long, twice as long as all the other sections. The 16 measures are divided into four sentences, four measures each, two phrases each sentence. Again, the same symmetrical architecture. What I find truly interesting is that the first sentence uses the background of the introduction, the very sparse background. The second sentence uses the background of the chorus. And the third and fourth sentences use the background of the verse. Using familiar material to reinforce this new section. The melody might be different, but the background uses the three types of accompaniment we have heard so far. In the order, we first heard them. Something new and something old at the same time. Perfect blending of techniques. This is something all great composers do. Beethoven was famous for reminding us what went before and to tell us what is coming up. First sentence, hat down, crossed down, living like a rock star, spent a lot of money on my brand new guitar. Second sentence, baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras, riding down rodeo in my Maserati sports car. Third sentence, Got no stress, I've been through all that. I'm like a Marlboro man, so I kick on, back. And the last sentence, wish I could roll on back to the old town road. I want to ride till I can't no more. This leads us back to the final chorus. But instead of repeating over and over, as is done so often, it is played only once. And then the intro is used to slowly fade out. A beautiful touch to fade away like the end of those old western movies where they would ride off into the sunset. I hope I have shown that there is so much lying beneath the surface in this song. So many wonderful, interesting techniques. Some ambiguous, some very clear as the use of symmetry and repetition. We have seen chord cycles, pedal tones, borrowed chords from other keys, the use of a refrain, added note chords, cut time, and so many more. I hope this analysis has been useful in understanding the construction of this song and maybe using these techniques in your works. Thank you so much, Joe.